broken and beaten, our heroes are scattered. Lost and alone, their hopes are all tattered. Their home has been conquered, but their fight is not done. They must mount a strong defense while still on the run. Their task will be hard, but still they must try. So sit back and observe. The Beholder's Eye! One, two, one, two, three, four. and Swifty, it has been a couple of weeks since your last missions. The Protectorate has been kind of gearing up for something. It seems like a lot more people are coming in. They're kind of gearing up for some sort of push. And uh, one morning, let's say about 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, Boris, what would you be doing? Uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, Boris, at this point, he's yeah, he's probably not doing this, the, the slot car racing anymore. He's probably just, he's kind of put that on, he's finally put that on the back burner. So there's no slot car racing this morning. Today, I think he just took it easy. He just did like toast and jam. So toast <laughs> and jam. All right, and, all right. Uh, yeah, and uh, he's just looking over the uh, itinerary for the day, I guess. Hanging out in your room. To do. Uh, yeah, uh, it, he hasn't he hasn't talked to Tamash since last night on the two-way radio either. So it's kind of a little kind of a slow slow morning for Boris. Okay. Actually. Uh, Swifty. Yeah. I am sitting in my room next to the Douglas tree and going through my bag of faces trying to decide what I will stretch out for my cloak and what gets cut up to go back into the pouch for jerky. All right, so um, as the two of you are kind of just chilling in your room, Penny comes to, to round the two of you up and, and bring you down to, to an interview room. And as she opens the door and leads the two of you in, you see a tiefling sitting there. And I'm going to let Becca describe her own character. <laughs> yes, so um, this tiefling... Who I guess you don't know. Um, she has blue-gray skin and golden pupilless eyes and curling ram's horns. And she's just in kind of brown, brown nondescript clothes, has flowers twisted around her her um her horns and Boris is Yeah. Oh uh, hello, um <laughs> Uh, you seem to have caught some uh, flowers caught around your horns there. Uh, <laughs> was that intentional? It was intentional, thank you. Okay, yep, well, I tried to, I tried to pay attention and notice these things. Thank you. <laughs> Penny says, uh, thank you for that observation, Boris. This is Maple. Maple, this is Boris and Swifty. The three of you be, will be working together on something today. Uh, why don't why don't the two of you come in and sit down and, well, Swifty, I know you're probably just going to go stand in the corner, even though I offer you a chair every time. Let's, let's so get this So to be contrary to Penny, just because there's that little bit of tip between them, <laughs> I am going... What does this table look like? Mm. Just, uh, there's just kind of like a 
nondescript wooden table. Like a, like yeah. a three by eight feet. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go to whatever end of the opposite that Becca is sitting at, and I'm going to sit on the table. Okay, and all right. And I'm going to spit on the table and start drawing in that. <laughs> Carving your name in there. <laughs> Penny Penny says, thank, thank you, I guess. I didn't really need the table, so you're free to sit there if you want. And she At goes, that point, I get up and move to the corner. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> uh, she goes over to the, uh, there's like a big blackboard on one wall, and she goes over to it and pulls down a map from one of those, God, what are those even called? Like map keepers, I guess, that they have in schools. Like it rolls up. I don't yeah, think like they a projection have those screen. anymore. Okay. They <laughs> like, had them like, when honestly, I, I, that's all I think I our say. generation might have been one of the last ones to get that. It's all smart boards these days. True, yeah. Anyways, she pulls down a map and you see that is a map of the woods that are kind of on the outside of the city of Salandrian. And you see she's got some spots on the map circled and a couple of X's. And she says, um, we are kind of gearing up for our big final push uh, to hopefully defeat the eye once and for all and get them out of our city and... Um, hopefully off of the continent. One of the ways we're going to be doing this is by uh, completely ruining their supply lines. And so that's what I'm gonna have the three of you help us with today. We've got an ambush set up in a day or so that uh, will be confiscating all of these supplies that are meant to come into the city to help bolster the eye. And what we're gonna have you do is uh, join up with our friends out there and it's going to be tomorrow so you guys can get out there today and, and meet some people and kind of get an idea more from them of the actual attack plan but before you do that um why don't the three of you go down and see gerald i've, I've heard that he's been working on some new things do they involve runes uh you'll have to ask gerald right <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so Boris has uh, like purple tattoos on his arms in Gnomish, and I think we decided they say what um, chicken fingers. Gnomish. Chicken fingers. <laughs> you read Gnomish. I read Gnomish. I speak Gnomish. Finally. A <laughs> uh, Boris. Mm -hmm. Do your arms say chicken fingers? Um. Well. Uh. Yeah. Uh. It was. Um. That's a big story, Maple. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've never met a chicken with fingers before. It was uh, one hell of a night. <laughs> <laughs> I am told that Chicken Fingers was a famous uh, gnome warrior. Wow. I have it on reliable authority. They wouldn't put something stupid like a side dish or food on my arm for no <laughs> random reason otherwise, I'm sure. It's a bold I'm sure. Uh, wow. <laughs> so, as you're having this conversation on the way down to Gerald's uh, laboratory, is, I guess. Is Al dead? Uh, Aldenor. Aldenor. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's dead, Swifty. He's, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, he is now half man, half machine. And, um,. <laughs> um, yeah, so you, you've you've seen him. Um, yeah. Half man, half machine, all dwarf. All, all dwarf. I, I should be reading mission summaries. Some say late at night he still has a soul. So, <laughs> some say you can still hear him clanking through the hallways. I think he went off on some top secret mission. Uh, he said he wouldn't see us for a while. That was a, a few weeks ago. So I trust Boris, so I'm cool with that. 
Okay. So uh, as you're getting closer to, <laughs> yeah, to Gerald's laboratory, um, there's like a loud bang. Smoke kind of starts roiling out from Gerald's laboratory. You see the uh, door get blown off the hinges. Boris coughs and goes, <coughs> excuse me, just another day at Gerald's, people. <laughs> and uh, Gerald himself, uh, he's a short for a gnome, bright red hair, frizzy, big giant uh, goggles on the top of his head comes running out and you can see that these goggles have left a clean spot on his face but all around it and in his hair there's just tons of soot and his it, it looks like he caught most of the brunt of whatever this explosion was it kind of looks down the hallway at you guys and looks back the other way and says you might want to give me one minute okay uh, and he kind of picks the door up and sets it on the wall next to where the door <laughs> should be maple starts Bar counting one yeah. Two. Well, three. while Mabel's counted, Boris looks to Swifty. Goes, uh, Swifty. Uh, no minutes the same as uh, non-no minutes. I do not know. Let's find out. <laughs> but after about roughly a minute, he sticks his head back out, and you can see he's kind of wiped some of the soot off of his face, and he says, "All right, come on in, guys. Um, I've got something really exciting for you." Jello, do you have anything that's not so much exciting, but more just practical, um, comforting? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not making blankets here, Boris. I'm beginning to learn you're also consistently making a fool out of me. So uh, if we could just lower that end of the spectrum <laughs> a little bit, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, G Gerald's the reason why mm -hmm. Boris has purple gnome tattoos. But uh, Gerald says, I'm, I'm sorry, Boris. I know I've had my fun with you in the past, but I, I really do have something useful for the three of you. Um, and I think it will be pretty useful for what you're going to be going out and doing today. I'd like to walk around the walls and poke at stuff. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who wants to carry it. I've got something kind of big. And he goes into one of the side rooms of his lab and comes back out with what appears to be just a really big, almost like a projector screen stand. Uh... I can find and notice location of valuables upon entering a room. <laughs> so I want to find the most expensive thing in this room and try to swipe it. Okay. <laughs> uh, right on the counter, there is something that immediately draws your attention, Swifty. Uh, in a small glass case, there is what looks to be a golden idol. It's, it's car... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and the Mario theme. <laughs> It's Mario. And the Mario Dungeon okay, theme. Yeah. It looks now like it's real. It's a it's a golden idol uh, that looks to be a um, Italian plumber <laughs> with a mustache. No, uh, it looks to be like a um, uh, <laughs> a small uh, a small elephant standing on its back legs, holding what looks to be one of the biggest diamonds you've ever seen at the tip of its trunk. Uh, but it's it's in this glass case. Um, is the glass case attached to anything? Uh, I mean, it's sitting on the counter. It doesn't really look like it is. So, like, I can pick it up and just... Po possibly, yeah. You're yeah, going to go for gonna it? i try to pick up the whole thing and take it. Okay. Uh, make me a... Before you steal that, Swifty, you should be aware whether or not... Off you can't see chance me. chance so that is actually Chirp's soul? Did you go invisible? No, but, oh. like, I'm stealthy. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't know what I'm doing. I have a passive perception of 21. I do not 21. share this plan with you. Yeah, she knows nobody's... what I'm up to. <laughs> 
nobody sees the giant black dragonborn sneaking around the outside of the room Slowly, we just walked like, into. Oh, yeah, I'm, I imagine you see me poking at stuff, but you don't see the swipe. Got it, okay. <laughs> you, you throw something across the room like, oh, what was Even that? Even if I saw the swipe, I wouldn't yeah, say anything. Yeah, provide a distraction. <laughs> so, uh, Swifty, you... <laughs> Swifty that one. <laughs> you, try to, you try to take this, this glass case, and as soon as you start to kind of swipe it off of the counter into your bag, you hear a very, very loud, blaring klaxon alarm go off, and Gerald immediately looks at you, and he's like, you might want to put that back. There's a reason I have it alarmed. That's for Chirp, okay? See? I was just taking it to him. <laughs> to him? To, to her? her. <laughs> well, I guess he... To change his bodies, I mean, it's hard to tell. <laughs> but I, I push it back onto the desk, and I put my headphones on. And he says, yeah, um, that thing's pretty dangerous, and... In, what does it do? You'll just have to ask Chirp after I give it to her. <laughs> I don't know what it does yet. <laughs> I'm going to have to write that one down. So uh, he says, anyways, what I've got for you guys today, uh, one of you I'm sure will have to carry it. Probably Swifty. He's the biggest. Not and, it. But <laughs> okay. What you will be able to do with this, he explains that this thing, basically, it's it's a green screen. Love it. It's a magical green screen. <laughs> you set it up and everybody can kind of hide behind it and people coming from one direction it'll continue to look like what is normally on the other side and won't show that there's anybody standing back there how big is it it is 50 feet wide by about 15 feet tall isn't this why we have magicians <laughs> he says yes the magicians made this who do you think i work with back here did they make it fold small if it folds down to about the size of um like a like a medium-sized tripod. Yeah. Definitely something you could fit in a bag of holding. So I whip out my bag of holding. <laughs> oh, perfect. Ah, an extra dimensional space. Well, that'll just be easy then. And he, he helps you to, like, get it in there. <laughs> Good job Swifty doesn't have to carry it because it'd be much harder for him to steal things at that point. <laughs> I like your magic bag. It holds lots of things, so if you ever do steal something, I can help carry it for you. <laughs> the start of beautiful friendship. <laughs> Maybe we should start an entire new agency. <laughs> so uh, you guys get this new item from Gerald, make your way out through the catacombs and into some of the surrounding woods, but you know you have about a half a day's hike to get to this ambush site. I'm going to have everybody make a survival check. Oh, no. Seven. Sixteen. Okay. Nine. Nine. <laughs> Swifty is making his way through the woods pretty easily, and, uh, well, I guess, Maple, this is an area of the woods that you're not intimately familiar. This isn't your woods, so you kind of get turned around a little bit, and don't, you just try to follow along with Swifty as long as possible. Boris, you're, you know, I mean, you're Boris. <laughs> So the woods are not exactly your, uh, your, what's the word I'm looking for? Your natural habitat? <laughs> I would say my domain is more about stone and less about wood. Yeah. You need to speak with my cousins that have a lumber company. Oh, man. If you're in the wood what a consideration. <laughs> oh, episode nine, something like that. Yeah, really. <laughs> so everybody roll me a perception check. Ooh. 
28. Oh, yeah, I'm there at 28 as well. That's good. 19. DMing high-level characters starts to become, like, an exercise in futility. <laughs> also, I took the alert feat, so I can't be surprised anyway. Perfect. <laughs> Passive perception of 21. Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, your, your passive perception is yeah. probably going to be, like, unless I get a nat 20 here. That's a 7. <laughs> yeah. That's why I can't tell where we're going. <laughs> so many people have been through here before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, suddenly, uh, from out of the woods, you find yourselves mostly surrounded by a pack of gnolls. And they look pretty battle hardened they don't get the jump on you you guys hear them coming but they're also not being the most stealthy they just kind of quickly run up on you and spread out and now you have about 10 gnolls can you describe them a little bit gnolls yeah because i'm trying to remember that from my monster manual and i can't they're hyena people i believe yeah that's what i think so I think you don't know <laughs> he's right <real awesome>. off <laughs> to get the monster manual uh I haven't broke out my monster manual in a while, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> let's see. G. Do, 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 do. So as we see all these gnolls run up and spread out on us, I would like to pull my goggles down to like right on my forehead so I can get to them quick if I need to and put my headphones on. Okay. And I turn the breath muzzle to fire. So do you guys want to try any sort of diplomacy or am I just starting the killing? Uh, well, the biggest one, he, uh, he kind of steps forward and he starts, yeah. Trespassing in our woods. Pay our toll or prepare to die. I offer him a piece of face jerky. <laughs> he takes it and much he's like, mm, that's good face jerky. It was your mama. What did you say about my mother? And then I just breathe fire directly at his face. Okay. Uh, everybody roll for admission. Oh, so sad. I gave you guys a chance. Like I asked if you wanted to try for diplomacy. <laughs> I'm at a 16. Nine. 19. Okay. Swifty, you're up first. I got to roll a deck save for that fire, though. That would be 18. Does that save? Oh, yeah. Roll me some damage. Got to find enough D6. You're at 13. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Takes 13 damage, and uh, his the Noel boss's hair lights on fire for a minute, and he slaps it out. I then use my bonus action yeah. to well, duck behind my allies. I would say that was just a, an action before, because you did that before we rolled initiative, is okay. what I'm playing. So it's your, you get a whole turn here. I wait. <laughs> <laughs> you do this to me every time. <laughs> I'm so expected. <laughs> um, Alright, so Boris. Uh, okay, so Boris takes a look at the Molten and uh, he's just going to cast uh, level 6 Autoluke's Freezing Sphere. And it casts it, which is a frigid globe of cold energy. Comes from off Boris's fingers after he picks his warhammer up and slams it down after spinning it in the air twice until it kind of flashes blue. Okay. And then he slams it on the floor and uh, and uh, creates a cold energy from his fingertips coming out, explode in a 60 foot radius. And each creature within the area must make a constitution saving throw. And on any failed save, the creature will take 10 d6 cold damage. Damn. So you got to beat 16. Uh, go ahead and roll that cold damage first. But... That's a nat 20. Good job. Uh -huh. <laughs> 2, 3, 4, 9, 3, 12. Okay. It's going to be 16. Okay. So, yeah, this, uh, this blast of cold hits all the gnolls, and they kind of shiver for a second, but then kind of shake it off and... They seem like they're still good to go. Uh, Mabel. Cool. So, um... Does your character now, say cool? Like, noticing no. the... Cool. <laughs> cool. 
<laughs> That'd be awesome if she did, but no. <laughs> uh, say, don't be alarmed by the bears that are about to be here. <laughs> uh, and so she's going to... Boris goes, they're not bug bears, are they? No, no, just brown bears. So she... Uh, I'm going to use conjure animals and conjure two brown bears. And technically they roll their own initiative, but... I don't know if they just go on my turn. That might make it easier. Yeah, and especially because I already have BB in the uh, initiative. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. So they can just go on my turn, and then um, I'm gonna say and attack the gnolls, which they I guess they have to wait till the turn comes around again. Um, oh, okay. To go, but then my bonus action, uh, I'm gonna turn into a dire bear. <laughs> Damn. Okay. <laughs> All right. Give him, him, him another initial at least. There you go. DB. Yeah. DBAJ, so that's easy. Yes. The, uh, the gnolls uh, see this happen and kind of all at once in unison are just like, bears? What the hell? Uh, Swifty. Bor- Boris kind of forgets that you just said that was about to happen. He goes, oh, oh shit, bears. Oh, oh no, they're on our side. I can barely believe it. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give you one chance to do something before the bad guys go, or you can wait till after. I would like to step close to one of my allies okay, so I can get that advantage. All right. And I'm going to shoot the knoll that I fire breath okay. in the face with my short bow. Take a few steps back from him. (laughs) Bring your crossbow up like, what's up, buddy? (laughs) Yeah. Or is it a crossbow or a short bow? It's a short bow. Short bow. So 19. Yeah, that definitely hits. That's a lot of ones and twos. No, <laughs> oh, no. 25. All right. Where are you shooting him? In the face. Just straight yeah, like up in the forehead. face. Doesn't it hit him directly in the middle of the forehead, but it kind of goes in over one eye, and he's got he's now got this short bow bolt lodged oh, no. in, in his forehead, and he, get, he looks a bit woozy, and he uh, goes to yell out for his brethren, but kind of stumbles for a second, goes down to one knee, and instead he pulls a hand axe off of his belt and throws it at you, Swifty. That's an 18. Uh, that probably hits, but I have uncanny dodge. Oh, nice. So it's only half damage. Half damage. Okay. And that's going to be uh, 12 points of damage, so six. As soon as he does this, the other gnolls all come in to attack. You know what? Let's just say that they they all raise up their own short bows and uh, take some pop shots. Maple, does a 18 hit your dire bear It form? does. The dire okay. bear is AC 17. So that is 13 points of damage. Um, and Boris, oh, Boris got lucky. So that is a six. <laughs> I'm assuming that does not hit. <laughs> Me? No. Yeah. And Swifty, 13. No. Doesn't hit, yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess, Maple, since you're the biggest target, they have a, a pretty easy time hitting you. All the rest of the bolts just kind of fly by Boris and Swifty. And then Boris, it's your turn. Um, okay. Uh, Boris is, has he got a, have I got a clear line of sight to everyone right now? Yes. Still? Are they all just on style standing there like a bunch of idiots? Yeah, I mean, basically you guys are kind of standing in the middle of this ring of gnolls. There's ten of them in total. They are all about 20 feet away from you. You know, so okay. there it's basically like a twenty foot circle surrounding you. Okay. How close am I to the dire bear? Oh I mean I, I would imagine uh if Maple hasn't 
taken off yet. Uh, you're standing right next to her. Okay, well, Boris is just going to look at the dire bear for a second, and then he's going to concentrate, and he's going to cast invisibility on it <laughs> by touching it. Oh, shit! <laughs> Swifty looks at you with a jealous glare. <laughs> no more dire bear to worry about, Swifty. Maybe. Maybe. So, and that's your whole turn, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Invisible Dire Bear Maple. <laughs> it is your turn. <laughs> yes. So, the two smaller, the normal-sized bears will go for the the leader. Okay. Of the knoll. So let me roll all of that because they get two attacks. Oh, nice. Just gonna roll all these dice all at once. To make it <laughs> Might as well. Okay. So, oh, one was a crit fail. That's sad. Oh. Then the other one is 18 plus five. Another oh, that's one defi- yeah. is 13. And the other one is 15. So the, uh, the first one hits. Okay, so none of the other ones hit, right? Nope, just the one. Just the one. Okay, so that means that that one is 12 damage. <laughs> Damn. All right. All that's a damage. hefty bite. Okay, so one big bite. And then... This knoll is now like like that bear took a big chunk out of his chest, and he's just got a big open wound on his chest now. Oh, no. Uh, and then... Me as invisible dire bear uh, is going to go, and that's three attacks. It's a bite and two claws. Damn. <laughs> so we're just gonna roll all of those as well. <laughs> okay. Oh. Okay. One of them is sixteen. Uh, next one is twenty, and the next one is eleven. So the twenty hits. The twenty hits. Yeah, I'll let you decide which one of those attacks you want that to be. Does yes. it make an advantage, though? Or was that an advantage? With invisible. Oh, yeah, invisible, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'll just re-roll the attack ones. I have them all assigned of, like, which dies which, and... Perfect. So it's one of the claws that hit. <laughs> okay. But the other ones... Ooh! That's... One's a nat 20. Hell yeah. And then the other ones... One's still the... Still 11, and then the other one's lower. Okay. So okay. two hit then. Yeah. Oh, they were bites. They were so, bites. And bites. one of them. <laughs> I mean, two claws. Uh, okay. Oh, and if both claws hit, are you ready for this craziness? If hit by both claw attacks, it deals an extra 2d6. Damn. All right. Nice. So it's a lot of d6 that are about to happen. Holy crap. Uh, all the dice. When attacking drops the uh, invisibility, correct? Boris. Uh, yeah, I would at this point, yeah. I like this, like, maple, this di- giant dire bear just disappears, and then all of a sudden this knoll is getting smacked around by, like, uh, the dire bear that immediately reappears in front of it. <laughs> just like, ah! And then Boris just shoves, oh, the bear's butt! <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> uh, so that's 26. You claw it, he, he kind of goes a bit limp, and then the second time you hit him, you can tell that you're basically just hitting dead meat at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Gone, gone. And at this point, the other gnolls see this and they try to make a hasty retreat. Uh, Swifty, you gonna do anything? I would like to walk up to the smaller 
support the larger of the two smaller bears. Okay. And use my animal handling to pet it <laughs> while looking at the knolls and saying, how many invisible bears do you think we have? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. This bear loves to have you pet it. <laughs> 19. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the, <laughs> yeah, the gnolls completely take off and are no longer a problem. I turn back into me. Oh, <laughs> I keep the other two bears around as long as they last. I think it's an hour. Welcome, loyal listener, to Inside the Player's Studio with your host and Dungeon Master, Andrew. Hey everybody, it's your DM Andrew. I'm joined today by the amazingly talented Becca... And I forgot. Eckert. To, I, well, I was going to ask you if you wanted me to do your last name or not. <laughs> That's totally fine. Yeah, either way. You may know her from Evenfell, a podcast that she's on currently, or as one of my favorite gnome characters on Fate and the Fable Maidens. <laughs> I couldn't be happier having you on. I've been a big fan. And when we did the ladies and tabletop gaming episode way back in our first season, we had so much fun together that it was like, I got to get Becca back on. Aww. Uh, thanks. It was so much fun being here. I'm so glad to be here. I got a few questions for you. First of which, uh, what got you into tabletop gaming in general? And then kind of what got you into doing podcasting? Yeah, I can't really remember what my perception of D&D was before I started D&D. Like my mind has been yeah. completely remade to just like <laughs> love D&D. Um, but I do. Rem all I remember is that I really wanted to try it. I didn't really know what very much about what it was, except that it was like this nerdy thing where you pretend to be in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> um, and so when I was in college my freshman year, we, my group of friends and I got uh, a group together and we played like a couple of times. But then I was dating the DM and the DM oh, and I broke no, up yeah. and then it kind of all <laughs> fell apart. The whole like the group just kind of didn't really situation. stick together. So um <laughs> yeah. So then it was, so I didn't play D&D again for like three or four years, I think. Oh, okay. um, and just because there wasn't really a group that I could find. And then when I graduated, moved back to Austin, uh, my best friend, Cam, and her husband, Kenneth, uh, started a, we're starting a campaign for all of like Cam and my friends. Yeah. Um, and so we got to play, start playing again. And, um, that was like four or five years ago, four years ago, almost five years ago at this point. And Kenneth is the DM of uh -huh. Evenfell and Cam is Deliverance in Evenfell. Okay. And so it's fun that now like, like really I, Kenneth and his DMing and all that is really what got me into D&D nice. &D for realsies. And so it's really fun to be, uh, to be making a podcast Hell yeah. with, with them. Yeah. DMs can tend to be the make or break when it yeah. comes to getting into D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of stories about people going to a game and having a horrible DM and just being like, I never want to play this. Yeah. And then a few years later, picking it back up and having an amazing DM and being like, I've wasted so much time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. So this next question... <laughs> 
I've really should have rewrote it. Okay. If you were a ranger in real life, mm-hmm. what monster, and by monster, I mean what general thing in life, not necessarily like, you know, goblin or things like that, but like mm-hmm. social anxiety, um, having to wait in lines, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What what monster would be your favorite enemy type? Mm, procrastination. Ah, yes. <laughs> would be my favorite enemy. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Me too. Man. Oh, so much. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Fighting it all of the time. And there's so many times where it's like, I'll be doing something last minute. I'm like, I can get it done. I'll do it. It'll be totally fine. Anxiety and then it's attack like, and, yep, I, I get yep. right up to the death. And I'm like, oh, no, it's not done. What am I going to do? And then I'm like, just rushing. Yeah, usually... Yeah. So far, it's like I've never had a consequence for not getting something done where it's been like disastrous at all. And so I'm like, oh, I can handle if I don't get it done, too. And then it just feeds the cycle. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I would love it so much. I would get so much stuff done. I'd be such a productive person. (laughs) Man. So uh, what would your animal companion be? This is just any animal. Any animal. Any. Uh, real, fictional, mm. imaginary. I would want a lion. Oh, hell yeah. Because I just love lions. So, okay. So, real life, number one favorite animal yeah. is the domestic cat. And I have oh, yeah. one of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> number two favorite animal are lions. So, for sure, lions. And now I've just come up with a new... OC in my head of a gnome ranger that rides a lion. Yes. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> yes. Love it so much. <laughs> so uh, what other TTRPG or just general interest podcast uh, do you think more people should be listening to? I think it's TTRPG related. There's a great podcast uh, called The Primordial Project. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. I've listened. <laughs> yes. Uh, it is a like an experimental world building uh podcast where two guys uh dakota brown and ryan t land just come up with like a setting to play in uh they're in their third age now yeah and i think they're they just finished coming up with like what all the elemental planes are oh wow okay. and what they look like so it's really fun they're at primordial pod on twitter uh yeah I really love that podcast. And they just started a Patreon, so. Nice. I checked it out a while back because it was on a list of, like, good Mm -hmm. podcasts for Mm -hmm. DMs to listen to. Yeah. So where can people find you on social media? And are there any projects that you want to promote? Anything coming up in the next couple of months? Yeah, so I can be found on social media at Becca Eckert, B-E-C-C-A, E-C-K-E-R-T. Um, just because there are lots of ways to spell Becca, I guess. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, and I'll have a link for you in the the episode notes as well. My podcast is just at Edenfell Podcast on Twitter. And that's really the main thing. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for playing. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on in the future. Oh, that'd be so fun. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Greetings, interstellar travelers from Point Zero Star, a sci-fi RPG adventure with five humble Canadians as your hosts. Follow the crew of the Mary Shelley, Vinyl Flyway, Kays, Nix Nedra, and the 
daring captain, Rust Duckers. They're just trying to earn some thread and stay under the radar, but things haven't worked out that way so far. Look for Point Zero Star on iTunes or wherever you receive podcast transmissions. Podcasting is uh, becoming pretty ubiquitous, and there are a lot of services out there that offer podcast hosting, which is probably the most important part of podcasting, because if you don't have your podcast uh, hosted somewhere, nobody's ever going to hear it. (laughs) And we went through a few different podcasting hosts at the beginning of our show, and while we had pretty good experiences with all of them, we found that Shortwave is the best fit for our show. Shortwave is a podcast hosting, syndication, analytics, and dynamic content stitching platform built on the belief that professional-level podcasting tools should be available to everyone, not just professionals. And as we are sponsored by Shortwave, uh, you can go ahead and go over to their website, www www.goshortwave.com to start your free 14-day trial of hosting on Shortwave, which includes show and episode-level listener analytics, embeddable episode players, unlimited upload and download bandwidth, and two free hours of dynamic content stitching that helps you build your episodes from multiple clips, all in your browser. Again, you can go to www.goshortwave.com for a free 14-day trial of everything that Shortwave has to offer. Shortwave. The platform for adaptive podcasting. Welcome to Queer Dungeoneers. This is an unbearable experience. If someone was listening to this, they would say, this is pure silliness. <laughs> I am going to turn animal. into a really big cow. Moo. It is Baramos of the Fourth Circle. Free me from this orb. Do you have Baramos in your bag? No. You can tell me if you've got Baramos in your bag. No, I've got rations. You've got Baramos in your bag! No, I don't. Nim, what have you done? Queer Dungeoneers, an actual play podcast about being who you are by being someone different. Get it now! I am great and nothing can hurt me. Hey everybody, it's your DM Andrew. I'm here to tell you about a new sponsor that we have, LibrisArcana.com. They are a dice service that does monthly subscription boxes with dice in them. Every month you subscribe to them and you get a new set of dice. Their dice are amazingly designed and some of the prettiest dice we've seen. We were very lucky to secure a sponsorship with them. So what they'll be doing for us is if you go on Libris Arcana and subscribe to their monthly dice service, uh, you can get 20% off your first month's subscription by using the code BEHOLDER at checkout. Once again, get on there, get your first month subscription, and you'll get 20% off with the code BEHOLDER. Put it in at checkout and you'll be good to go. Uh, You guys get into this camp and you see that uh, they've assembled quite a pretty big group for this ambush. There's 40 people kind of milling around and as you get there you see a couple familiar faces people that you've seen around the protectorate see a lot of new people but in something that penny didn't tell you the person leading this charge is january oh great (laughs) he sees uh the three of you walking into camp and he says ah friends yes great you're here today to help us perfect perfect why don't you come uh into my tent and i will show you the battle plan January brings you guys into his tent and you see that they had kind of planned to do like a, a 
somewhat of a pincer move, kind of surround them from the front and two sides. And then what you're going to be ambushing is a big, long caravan, about 15 wagons deep of uh, supplies. They've got a few guards, things like that. What's the terrain like? Is it like a road running through a field or? It is a road that runs through pretty deep woods. I mean, the woods are pretty thick on either side of the road. The road itself is about 30 feet wide, and then there's an extra 10, 15 feet on either side of grass before so it hits the So it's not something woods. you could take out the lead caravan and it would block ones behind it? No, they could still get around it. Okay. And I'm, I'm assuming you guys pull out this screen that Gerald gave to you and, and give it to, to January, and January says, ooh, this will be a great help. Um, I'm going to go have the boys set it up right now. And he runs out of the tent real quick. You see, though, that it looks like they don't really have a good idea of how many guards are going to be with this caravan. And also there are a couple of the wagons that they don't have good intelligence on what is going to be in the wagons. So there might be some surprises down the road. So they're trying to plan for every contingency. But what they're going to do, especially now with the, the screen, they're going to set it up across the road have people waiting behind it um, and then have people on either side of the road in the woods. Is there anyone in January's tent besides the three of us? A couple of his lieutenants. Uh, there is a pretty stoic dwarf that hasn't said a word this whole time. And there is a gnome that is kind of giving you guys the rundown on all of this. The dwarf is named Joseph Stonewheel and uh, the gnome is named Brixelback Bennigans. <laughs> and he just says, oh, you can call me Brix. So as Brix is kind of running this down, January comes back in and he says, um, a little bit of a hiccup in things here, everyone. Uh, it seems that the caravan is ahead of schedule, so uh, we're going to have to go right now, okay? We thought we were going to have till tomorrow, but it looks like they're going to be coming through this evening. We, we weren't really ready for that. We were hoping to have at least another... 15, 20 people here, but I guess we'll have to make do with what we got. So while January's running around organizing people, I would like to go to wherever they're setting up, like the across the road. Yeah. And right behind them, I want to go to the edge of the trees and acid a couple trees so they fall across the road. Okay, like in front of the screen or behind? Behind the screen. Okay, okay, so they don't see you. You're so making like a makeshift it, road barricades block. the road. Okay, so no one can get through. I love that you use your acid breath as a like <laughs> all-purpose tool. It's yeah. just like a multi-tool. It's like a Dremel. <laughs> Are you guys going to be hiding behind the screen? Um, it looks like they're going to have about ten people behind the screen, and then ten people on either side of the uh, the road. I have a plan. What are you guys going to do? Well, we have the ability to make people invisible, so don't really need to be behind the screen. I can just give you all invisibility. I'm going to pass on that. And January, time, if he really wants it. <laughs> January declines, but you see him pull a little amulet out from his from his shirt and kind of twist it, and he goes invisible. And he comes back invisible, and he goes, I've got my own. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and, uh... I can make myself look like anybody whenever I want. <laughs> so you could be useful. I'm gonna pull my cloak over me. Okay. And stay by the edge of the trees by the forest line. Alright. And then once the fight breaks out, I'm going to walk 
down along the tree line, dropping trees on the caravan. Um, um okay. <laughs> Do you convey this to anybody? No. Oh, this is your own personal plan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I don't know if January is going to be too happy about that, but what he doesn't know may end up hurting January. Him. Yes. Can I run something by you? Ah, of course. What if I made just like a big, big storm? Like over 700 feet wide that just That's ripped everything big. apart. Well, I mean, do is you have- Is that too much? Well, is there a way for you to ensure <laughs> that like we'll be okay? <laughs> if uh, I've learned anything in my time uh, in the in the beholder's eye, uh, Maple, it is that it's never, mm. ever too mm-hmm. much. Well, it's as long as you aren't underneath the storm. You right. should be fine. Where are you going to put the storm exactly? Could you point out where you're going to center it to me? Yeah, th- that was my question. <laughs> well, up, th- up there, above us, in the Ooh. sky. Where is it, like, how far out there is it going to be centered? Well, Like it's... in the middle of the road, about 30 feet up, or...? <laughs> well, as lo- it-, it can be 500 feet up, and it will still destroy everything. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, um... Is that too, is that too much? Maybe you hear Swifty from like way in the back. Do it! Of a thing. <laughs> January, uh, where exactly were you going to stand in this fight? Um, I will be helping to take out any guards. Okay. As you know, you I'm about, pretty good with about, a knife. And he pulls out a knife and starts like doing tricks with it off of his fingers. So about 100 feet up the road right by there? That seems like a weirdly specific question. But yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. He just looks to Maple and goes, if you center it a hundred feet in the road, right up by there, I feel like well, this will we'll be Well, we'll still optimum. be under it too. Uh, let's, let's hold off. Let's try to do this conventionally. Um, we would like to have these supplies for ourselves, but if um, worse comes okay. to worse and we do need kind of a scorched earth type situation, I'll, I'll be the first to let you know. Perfect. I thought this was more of a Helm's Deep kind of situation. So. <laughs> so- January gives you a quizzical look and he's like, Helm's Deep, is that somewhere down um, by the I elves? I about it sometime, I don't know. Oh, I don't think I've heard of that place. <laughs> <laughs> so Swifty is going to be, you said, in the trees? Yeah, I'm going to post up on the tree line. Okay. Boris, Maple, where are you guys going to be? He's going to be invisible kind of halfway between, on, on, on the opposite side of Swifty. I'll go the opposite side of Swifty. Here you go. Okay. On the tree line, but I'm. he's going to be like, I don't know, 20 feet be up kind of away. 20 feet forward on the tree line on the left side of the road. And uh, yeah, so he's still relatively close to where that, um, where it, it goes. So the, the road changes. Okay. You know, we, we, we put our invisible projection screen. So I'm not that far away from it, but I am up in the tree line by there. All right. So I can kind of survey the situation. Maple? Yeah, I would say Maple's also probably in the tree line somewhere where she can get a a clear view, but doesn't want to be behind anything. Like, doesn't want to be behind a a screen. Like, wants access. Okay, okay. So, sure enough, as you guys are getting into position, the, the word comes that the caravan is, like, five minutes away so everybody kind of hides gets gets their their position ready you see them activate the screen and it works really well kind of at the edges it's a little shimmery and kind of gets that weird distortion that green screens kind of get sometimes but it looks like it'll be convincing enough and uh 
right like clockwork, the caravan starts to come into view uh, through the forest, and you see that the caravan's a little bit bigger than they thought it was going to be. Uh, there's a few extra wagons, and at the front and rear of this caravan, there are wagons that appear to be made completely out of steel. They have like little slots on the sides of them, um, and you can see that people are putting crossbows out these slots, and they're kind of keeping we, an eye. As the caravan starts to proceed towards us, yes, I'd like to sneak down the tree line, so I'm at the back of the caravan when they get to the barricade and the screen. Okay. Okay. Actually, I'm going to have everybody make me a stealth check. Oh. I'm at 23. 11. Okay. <laughs> I did say that I didn't want to be behind anything, I guess. <laughs> that is a two. Um, <laughs> the caravan see, it sees you, but doesn't tend to think anything of, of it. Standing wave. Yeah. Just the wave. Random tiefling standing like, in the room. Well, I mean, Hello. they do employ a lot of tieflings, so... It could just be somebody that they know. But as they're getting closer to this, <laughs> to this screen, they drop the illusion, and you see January standing in the center of the road with 10 people behind him, and he puts a hand up and he says, Ah, oh, hello. Uh, what I'm going to need you to do is uh, stop this caravan. Boris shuts down from the, from, the, from the tree line. You've already messed it up, January. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and you see that the, the 10 people behind him are kind of looking a little nervous now, but the caravan does stop, and from this first steel-clad wagon, uh, a door pops open, and a man gets out, and you can see that the bottom half of his face is missing. There's just kind of an open hole in his neck. He's a human, but in your heads, you hear him speaking. We knew that you were going to be doing this, January. Why do you think they sent me? And January is looking a little scared at the moment. Uh, well, uh, I can only imagine because the last time we fought each other, I left you looking the way you do now. And he kind of just raises one hand and yells, attack! At this moment, everybody that is in the woods comes rushing out, and you see these two steel-clad wagons start just shooting bolts at anybody they can. Uh, most of them are missing. They don't seem to have the best accuracy from inside of these, but there are two wagons in the middle of the caravan that suddenly the canvas that covers them is pulled down and you see in the back of each one of these just a mass of writhing tentacles. And these tentacles start whipping out and trying to attack people that are, are coming at them. And I'm gonna play this a little bit looser. Um, I'm not gonna worry so much about initiative i'll just kind of go with you guys and be like hey what are you doing over here what are you doing over there that kind of thing i'm gonna start with swifty though because i know he was moving towards the back of the caravan what what are you going to be doing in this as soon as january dropped the screen i started like not fully aciding them through but like i acided like four or five trees so when he yells attack i can push on them okay and they're all gonna land on that steel card in the rear in the rear okay um, i have no idea how to roll for this <laughs> uh i think i'm just gonna uh, i'm gonna have you roll a d20 and i'll tell you whether it works well or not it did not it did. <laughs> it's the second nat one no. of the day so you do this need a better d20 <laughs> Three of the trees almost hit the mark, but just kind of fall like a Buster Keaton movie, just fall perfectly around this wagon. 
And the last tree, as you're going to push it, you kind of like feel like you've gotten a good idea of like how to push it. And instead of it going forward, it kind of just slides forward a bit and starts falling backwards on you. Oh no. <laughs> and that's going to be a whopping 23 points of damage. Would that tree be considered a visible attacker? Because <laughs> I have Uncanny Dodge. I mean, I can see the tree. Yeah, you can take half damage on that. <laughs> oh, God. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, um, while, while Swifty is fighting the trees, uh, Maple, what are you doing? Um, are the carts, do you, are they like within 50 feet of each other? Mm-hmm. Cool. So uh, basically, you've got 15 wagons. Steal one in the front, steal one in the back, which now has trees lying around it. And then the two that are directly in the center of the caravan are the ones with the tentacles. Mm. Each one of these wagons is less than five feet away from each other. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the line that self-math... Uh, what would you say, like seven to ten feet per... So it's about 150 to 200 feet long, basically, this caravan. So as soon as the tentacles come out, Maple is going to cast uh, Reverse Gravity. Destroy tentacles. (laughs) Reverse Gravity. Uh, Reverse Gravity uh, on... So it's a 50-foot radius. Okay. It's a hundred, but... Basically, the idea is to try to not get the ones with with supplies, maybe? I don't know. I don't think she can tell which ones might or might not have supplies. <laughs> so just whatever it gets. Uh, so basically, it reverses gravity in a 50-foot radius. Okay. And everyone falls upwards 100 feet. <laughs> um now, are you going to leave this on, or are you just going to, like, shoot them up and then let it go? And then let it go, because then they okay. fall downwards 100 feet. All right. And then it says they can make a dexterity saving throw to grab onto a fixed object, but, like, everything in that area goes up. They're, I, I, they're not. They're, they can grab they're not on a cart. the wagons. <laughs> Which also will go up. Yeah. So that's 10, 10 D6. D6. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Good sound. Uh, 31. The carts, and I'm assuming you were centering it on the two tentacle carts? Yes, yes. So those kind of shoot up first, followed by the wagons directly in front and behind them, and kind of picks up the front end and the back end of the next ones in line. Mm -hmm. But they're heavy enough that they don't go all the way up. All the way up. As they're kind of shooting up in the air, you hear the people in the front and back wagon just kind of like, what is going on? (laughs) And so, yeah, they hit up about 100 feet, fall back down. Wheels are busted off of the wagons. Uh, a couple of boards fall off of a couple of the wagons, but the, the tentacles seem to be the most affected by it. As they come back down, the wagons basically just splinter apart, and you can see now where these tentacles are coming from. There's basically two human men laying on their backs, and these tentacles are all coming out of their chests. Yeah, and they seem to be like comatose, but the tentacles are just going crazy. You also see that January is now tussling with this man, and from his open mouth, he's got tentacles coming out as well, and they're, like, wrapped around January's upper torso, and January's, like, stabbing at them with daggers, (laughs) and 
he's just producing daggers from what seems like thin air, just throwing them at this guy, and they're locked in a pretty heated battle. Uh, Boris, what are you doing? Um, also, bonus action, dire bear. Oh, were bear again? <laughs> All right. Di- yeah, dire bear. <laughs> there I am. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Boris, Boris points across and shouts, Bear! Where? <laughs> Where's the bear there? <laughs> Over there's the bear. All right, Boris, what you gonna do? We're still taking bolt shot from the steel, the steel yeah. fans. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The the fan that's at the closest to the to where we're at, I am at, which is where the barricade was at the front. Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, cast fireball at that at level six. So. I'm gonna go ahead and say. Uh, oh, what is that? A dex. Saving throw? Uh, yes, it is a deck saving throw. I mean, I'm not going to give a steel van a bonus to dexterity, so that's a 12. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so I just shoot it, try, try to shoot it through the slits in the in the van there. So that should be 10d6. I just realized what's going to happen here. <laughs> I think that's 43. Okay. So they were good rolls. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, forty-three fire damage, and if fire spreads around the corners, ignites any flammable objects in the area that are being worn or carried, and people get burnt. You manage to cast this fireball directly into one of the slits on this like steel-clad wagon, and you find out pretty quickly that it's really only steel-clad on the outside. It's got steel over wood because this thing just explodes uh, like a Michael Bay movie, <laughs> and I mean, people are shot out of it. Uh, you see a couple go flying into the woods on fire. Um, there's like one yeah. guy left with like holding a stump of a leg, just screaming. Boris is kind of like used to doing fireball now, so he knows he you know he knows he can do a fair bit of damage. So he was kind of prepared, but even he went a bit like a little bit alarmed. Yeah, like, yeah. You see, you see January, the guy's then, fighting, like yeah, pause tries, for a second, yeah. like oh damn. <laughs> but then he tries to act cool, and he pulls his hood back, and he goes, and he goes, yeah, yeah, and he nods his head, and he goes, nobody hurts my friend January. <laughs> I think the the tide of this battle is starting to turn, and January seems like he's getting the upper hand on this guy, but we still have that that final steel-clad wagon. Swifty, you're closest to it. Do you want to try something else? No. (laughs) Maybe maybe not trees this time? No. uh, I, I came to the edge of the forest, right, to see Boris's fireball. Yeah. And seeing him start the fireworks... I turn on the fire portion of my muzzle, and I run not at the bad guys, but around them through the grass on the side of the road, setting everything I can on fire. (laughs) Just like spitting fire left and spitting fire right, running 10 feet, spitting fire, spitting fire, running. So now there is just like, giant fires that are starting to rage on either side of the road. <laughs> Boris looks down because he's kind of, Swifty's probably well, like 60, 80 feet away down, yeah. down the road. <laughs> Who's that crazy dragon ball running around with the, f- oh, oh, yeah, right, yeah. Seems about right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maple. Um, how large, okay, so dire bears are large. How large is this cart? I would say it's a good eight feet. It's kind of like like a covered wagon, but instead of canvas on the back, it's like had kind of a house-shaped structure built with steel. Can I try to just like run up to it with my big bear paws, just like flip it? Hell yes, you can. 
Make me a strength check. Okay. Oh, it was not so great. 15. I'm going to say that's enough, actually. Uh, ah! Well, it toddles a little, but she gets it. Yeah, yeah. I only rolled a 10 there, so. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the wagon rolled a 10 to resist. <laughs> Stupid. The wagon's trying hard. <laughs> I'm gonna stay on the ground. <laughs> is it still in the? Is it still in the air? Uh, no. I I ended that. So okay, it would fall. Good. So that's oh, come yeah. down. Bang on. The I, I thought you meant like as she's flipping it. Is it still there? Oh. Like <laughs> for a second. Well, I thought you said to like push it over because it's yeah. already in the yeah. air. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you uh you just kind of knock it over on its <laughs> side, <laughs> and uh, the back door opens up as you do this and you can see that there's six or seven guys in there with uh, with crossbows and they, they see you out of the back door and they're immediately like <laughs> shrinking and all like tighten up and just like oh god <laughs> we weren't told there was gonna be a bear here and that's a big one that's the biggest bear uh, I've ever seen they're like clawing at the ground and like grunting <laughs> <laughs> trying to scare them <laughs> can I see them doing that yeah oh yeah like, I'd like to walk up to the door and peer in and be like your situation is dire. <laughs> oh, I didn't know what to expect there, but that was good. You should have the dude who's leading the carriage shout back, Bear with us. <laughs> These puns are unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Boris, I'm gonna give you one more thing here. Everything's pretty much been dealt with at this point, except for these two tentacled bodies in the, uh, the middle of everything. And they're doing some fair amount of damage to the guys trying to attack them. Nobody can get really within attacking range. The tentacles just slicing people? Yeah, yeah, like a lizard whipping a tail, you know, just cutting people down. Okay. So uh, what Boris is going to do is he's going to cast a uh, wall of force. Okay. But this time he's going to make it uh, into a essentially like a half dome. Okay. So he's literally just going to put it over the top of them. Okay. <laughs> so you p essentially put a cloche over one of them. So yeah, I just basically <laughs> control one fully over the top of one of them. It's a quarter inch thick. It lasts 10 minutes as long as I concentrate on it. Uh, and uh, nothing can physically pass through the wall. It's immune to all damage and can't be dispelled by dispel magic. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, the wall also extends into the ethereal plane. So there you go. Oh, damn. As soon as you do, you see this massive tentacles like writhe even harder and like push out in all directions. Yeah. Because it's invisible, they you can't. just it just looks like a half ball shaped tentacle mass now. Okay. So I'm concentrating really hard on it. Really hard. You can see the strain in Boris's <laughs> face. It's getting red in the cheeks. He's like, I knew I should have eaten more chicken sandwiches earlier on. <laughs> <laughs> and now the other massive tentacles is like whipping at it, trying to, you know, break this wall down, which gives the fighters the opening that they're looking for to get in there. And you see all it takes is one well-placed crossbow bolt into the head of the body that all these tentacles are coming out. The tentacles suddenly just wither and kind of fall down and evaporate, like just kind of bubble away. And it's left with this big opening in his chest as if in an autopsy. And there's nothing inside of his chest cavity. It's just an open dead space now. I mean, you can't really hold this thing indefinitely, so... 10 minutes. We got 10 minutes. You're going to gonna hold it for the whole 10 minutes? <laughs> I guess we're all just going to gather around ready to kill it. Actually... 
the fighters go to one of the wagons and they find a big jug of kerosene and they start around your wall of force and you see them light it on fire and they they kind of wave to you and they're like open it up open it up okay i do that i dispel the wall of force shake it off as soon as it opens they toss the can of kerosene in the middle my work here is done i would like to walk around the circle and accidentally bump someone in (laughs) (laughs) such a He immediately gets grabbed by the tentacles. At the same Uh. moment, they're throwing the kerosene in and everything catches on fire. And now, not only are these tentacles making like a horrible hissing, popping noise as they burn, this man is screaming because he's burning to death. Great. (laughs) Whoops. Whoopsie. Um, You do have multiple fires burning everywhere at this point. There's some trees blocking the road that you're going to have to deal with. It looks like January has gotten the upper hand on this guy, and he's got him down on the ground with a knife pointed at him, and he says, seems familiar, doesn't it? This time I'm not going to let you go. And he whips the knife down directly in the middle of this guy's forehead and he goes still in the tentacles do the same like nasty bubbling away thing we need to put the fires out we need to put the fires out does anyone have a storm they can rain water down with i turn back into me well it's acid rain so no do it That's a wrap, people. So I was listening to the to your past couple episodes, just like get acquainted and stuff. And um, when I'm talking about having the a, like a bag of faces, I was like, what? Because my druid, everyone gave her a hard time because she had in her bag of holding originally, yeah, uh, collected heads, oh. severed heads. <laughs> and I was like, oh, kindred spirit. We understand each other. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs>